This is Volusia Today, a public information radio program brought to you by the County of Volusia. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Volusia Today. I'm Clayton Jackson with the County's Community Information Division. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Dave Hunt. Thank you so much for tuning in. Volusia Today is made possible by our sponsors, the Daytona Beach International Airport, the Ocean Center, Volusia Recycles, and Votran Public Transportation. Dave, how are things going this morning? Pretty good. Uh, summer's winding down, getting ready for school. I think this is the, the last week of the tax-free holiday, so this weekend's going to include some school shopping. Um, so are you all prepared? We got the supplies yet? We got the supplies. Um, meet the teacher, I think, next Friday, yep. so I'm sure there'll be another list of supplies. Uh, oh, we, we started a little earlier this year, so I feel pretty confident going into the, the school year for sure. Awesome. Great, great, great. And you know, what's the outlook on the, uh, the weather for the beach this weekend? We're expecting calm waves. It's looking like there might be some thunderstorms, and, and those storms roll in quick, and, and the lightning comes with those storms uh, this time of year, so you want to be cognizant of that if you hear thunder at all get off the beach get indoors and rip currents are always a threat no matter how calm the waves may look or how pristine the water may look your best bets to always swim in front of those staff lifeguard towers for sure and what else do our uh, listeners need to do oh download the volusia beaches app and there's also some uh, beach live cams on youtube as well on the volusia beaches youtube uh so you can get a nice look before you even head down there see how packed it is maybe if you're a surfer check the waves uh there's a lot of resources but for sure if you're gonna only do one thing download the volusia beaches app awesome information and then we also want to remind our listeners out there that today is the last day for everyone to take the unmet needs survey regarding the transform 386 initiative so please go to transform 386.org and take that survey why why should people take that survey just a real quick in a nutshell 30 second spiel on why people should take the survey well it is part of the 328.9 million dollar grant that the county received through um hud to administer the community development block grant slash disaster recovery and that input um they've been doing a lot of community meetings and through the survey they're going the uh, office of Resil- of recovery and resiliency will be taking all this data and information that has been received and compiling it and then developing an action plan which will then be posted um, and available to our residents to review provide comments and then there will also be a public hearing that will take place probably sometime in august so we want to make sure our listeners to um, you know Watch our Facebook, watch our other social media outlets. We're going to be putting notices out there. So when that action plan is available and the public hearing is scheduled, we're going to make sure to let everybody know. So the input is is basically a starting phase as to where they're going to be allocating the money. Is that how it goes? Yes. So it could affect your community. So you might, if you, it, yeah, like well, you know, what what projects are needed in your you know, community yeah, and specifically, and, right? Because ex- it's countywide. Yes, okay. it is countywide. It's not specific to any uh, any city. It is countywide Volusia County. Okay. So if you live in Volusia County and you haven't taken that survey yet, you have you still have a few hours to do so. So we uh, strongly encourage you to do that. All right. So um, today, uh, you know, summer break's coming to an end, as Dave said. So people are trying to get their last-minute trips to the springs and to the beach. 
the summer's been quite a busy for them. Uh, been busy for them. Um, there have actually been a few manatee rescues that you may have been seeing in the news lately. And with us today, we have Volusia County Manatee Protection Program Manager Debbie Wright, and from the Manatee Club, Director of Multimedia and Manatee Research Associate Cora Burcham. How are you guys doing today? Good. Thank good. You. Good. Great. great to be here. Great, great, great. So, Cora, let's start with you. What's going on with the manatees in the Blue Spring this time of year? Yeah, so this time of year, we definitely see less manatees in the spring than you would expect in the winter time. They obviously come there in the winter in the hundreds um, for the warm water. But we've had quite a few manatee sightings at Blue Spring this year as well, um, including a very large mating herd in May. And um, yeah, quite a few mother calf pairs and, you know, manatees just kind of stopping by, checking out the spring sometimes checking out the swimmers. Um, definitely not the large numbers is in the winter time, but definitely some sightings. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about just the Save the Manatee Club in general. What, what do y'all do on a daily basis? How, how do y'all assist manatees? Just tell us a little bit, a quick overview of what, what the Save the Manatee Club is. Yeah, absolutely. We're 501c3, um, have been around for a little over 40 years, and we really focus on public outreach and education, um, legal advocacy for manatees, and that we're also part of the Manatee Rescue and Rehabilitation Partnership. So on a daily basis, we do a lot of community outreach presentations, um, you know, anything in, in that realm and then also um, research at Blue Spring, mostly in the wintertime, and helping with any rescues or releases um, when necessary. And do you have like boots on the ground at Blue Springs to like give people information as well? Or is, how does that work? Yeah, actually, so we do have a program that we co-manage with um, with Debbie's group um, from Volusia County and the State Park, as well as the Clearwater Marine Aquarium Research Institute. And we have a manatee um, observer program out there where we actually have trained volunteers out there every day. And they're keeping an eye on the manatees and also educating people as they're getting in the water with manatees uh, to try to prevent that harassment. Well, because that harassment something, right? Because it's, it's, a, it's a very unique location where it's beautiful crystal clear water and you're you're snorkeling and all of a sudden you look over and there's a manatee swimming right next to you (laughs) and for a majority of the people it's it they look uh so lovable and so kind and they almost look at you like hey pet come on come on over here and pet me but it's very it's not a good idea right no that is not a good idea at all that is actually against the law um manatees are very friendly they're extremely curious but we really do need to remember that they're wild animals and to give them space so the best thing is really to observe them from a distance um try to stay at least two kayak lengths away from them if you're kayaking or if you're swimming um try to stay at least 20 feet away from them give them space you know look at them and if they're curious they may have come up to you but you should not encourage that kind of interaction with them and everybody might not know and if you if you are a resident and you do know this i mean share the message as, as nice as you can but yeah if you know and you see somebody doing that please like help spread the word and the message because the more people who are leaving them alone the better off it is for the manatees for sure debbie tell us about the manatee protection program what does that encompass what does that look like what is what is the manatee protection program um the manatee protection program is kind of made up of a bunch of different parts um under that program we have things like the monofilament recovery and recycling program the Manatee Watch Program, our Volusia County Marine Mammal Stranding Team, um, and then we do a bunch of outreach and education throughout the county and just a whole bunch of different projects that are always going on. <laughs> I never know what my day is going to look like. <laughs> well, let's unpack that a little bit. What The, the Marine Mammal Stranding Team, mm-hmm. what does that look like? So we, here in the county, we work alongside of uh, FWC when it comes to manatees or hubs when it comes to cetaceans. So whenever we get a marine mammal that's either sick, injured, or orphaned, 
here in the county. Our team goes out first, kind of like first responders for um, to help out the other branches. Uh, we assess the situation, do what we can to keep the animal stable uh, until FWC can get there with their transfer trucks if it needs to go to rehab or um, or with a rescue boat if it's out in the water. Uh, same thing with hubs. We're kind of there to keep an eye on the animal and keep try to do a little bit of crowd control in case people are trying to harass the animals um, until uh, we get that, that back up. Yes. <laughs> So is there any type of special equipment that you all have to utilize to rescue these animals? Because they're, mm-hmm. they're not just like a dog you could pick up and put in yeah. your, your car and take to the vet. Is there yep. any type of special equipment? So one of the key things that we use is really big stretchers that will uh, work together to get the animal onto. Um, and then we lift the animal with as many people as, <laughs> as oh, we okay. can get in there. Because uh, we're talking about when it comes to manatees, you know, at least a thousand pound animal. So it's kind of all hands on deck Um, but we get them onto the stretcher and then we'll use the stretcher to move them into the transfer trucks which have a lift gate on the back uh, that lifts it up and then we bring them into the truck and that transport truck will take them to a rehab facility Uh, or we have specialized rescue boats with big nets on the back of them if the animals in the water and those nets will go out circle around the animal and then we'll pull the animal onto the boat so there are boats and trucks are dedicated for this type of rescue wow Mm -hmm. yep absolutely those are our our main things that we use for rescues and even the stretchers used during releases as well we have to have the animal on the stretcher to get it back into the water and you all are involved um i think one of the most uh, notable ones was when that killer whale came up on our shore you, you all were involved in that as well but i mean how often are these marine mammal strandings happen and this time of the year where are you seeing most of those calls because you're on call 24 7 somebody from your team is on call 24 7 correct yeah. yeah that's correct um so yeah when the orca stranded up there in flagler it was uh very rare Mm -hmm. (laughs) for this area but most of the time around here we get dolphins and manatees or bottlenose dolphins are the most common manatees um and the occasional pygmy sperm whale um things like that are most common ones uh, this time of year, we have, especially this summer and spring, we've been getting so many manatee mating herd calls. Um, those uh, can happen anywhere in the waterways, but a lot of the times they'll go into shallower waters to mate. And when that's happening, it's one female and a bunch of males that are competing for, for that female. So she'll get exhausted and strand herself on purpose uh, mm-hmm. just to rest. So we just ask if ever you're on the beach or you know over in the Halifax or wherever you are if you see a manatee and it's on shore or in the shallow waters just call FWC and let them know what you're seeing and don't ever try to push them back because there's probably a reason why they're in that spot and if for example if it is a female trying to rest from that mating herd putting her back in the water is kind of the worst thing for her because she doesn't get the rest that she needed and a lot of the times the males are still waiting for her out there so she's definitely not going to get the rest that she needs so dave and i if we're just walking along somewhere and we see a stranded manatee we shouldn't try to tag team and push it back in the water yeah absolutely not if we have a marine mammal and it's on shore no matter what type of marine mammal it is that's not typically where they're supposed to be so there's probably a reason why they're there so the best thing for them is to get our rescue groups out there so 
that we can assess the situation and sometimes get a veterinarian involved to really see what's going on. And nine out of 10 times, the animal has to go to a rehab facility. However, mating herds, usually she just needs rest and we just you know, want to leave her alone and wait for her to work her way back into the waterways. And you know, manatee rescues is not something new just in the last year or two. Mm-hmm. It's been going on for a while. Have either of you noticed any type of advancements or changes in the way that the teams go about rescuing these animals? Well, I think over the years, you know, more partners have come on board. It's really, um, people need to understand that it's really, um, you know, a, a, a group effort, like a partner effort. So it's not just FWC or just Save the Manitou or just Wulisha County. We really all work together. And I think over the years, more partners have come on board and they're getting trained. And um, I think in terms of rescue, I mean, Debbie may need, uh, know some more about that, but I think sort of the, the methods of how to do it have stayed the same. But I also feel um, because we've done more in terms of public outreach, um, we get a lot more calls from the public knowing what to look for and knowing who, how to call, who to call, um, and how to look out for distressed manatees so that the rescuers can actually get there to, to get the animal. So the knowledge has increased. I definitely <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. I think there so. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Techniques stayed the same, knowledge increasing though, and that outreach is definitely, you know, that's why we're really grateful to have these opportunities to kind of spread that information. Hopefully one person tells the next. And Speaking of information and while we're on the topic of if maybe you spot a stranded marine mammal, what's the number to call? What are the resources, websites to visit to learn more? Yep, just sure. calling the FWC hotline, which is 1-888-404-3922. And that's for any any wildlife uh, you can call in that number and they'll uh, the dispatch will call the branch that needs to go out to how about if people want to learn more what's the website social media channels um you could either go to volusia.org slash manatees with the s at the end or even fwc's website has a ton of information which is myfwc.com slash manatee with no S. Oh, right. and nice. Core. And yeah. Core, yeah. And cores, of course. <laughs> yeah, and Save the Manatee Club, we have our website, savethemanatee.org. We're also very active on um, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So um, we try to post a lot of information out there to let people know um, in a format where people can learn. So, um, you know, our website, as well as the ones that Debbie mentioned, I think are probably the best to go if you want more information or learn about how to spot a manatee or how to help. And Save the Manatee Club also has uh, the live cams from the springs and those are kind of fun to watch and actually get to see the manatees and how they move, how they use their pectoral flippers to move around and yeah, it's kind of fun to watch. That's that. awesome. Yeah, yeah we have a couple awesome. of resources too if you're a boater or if you live on a waterway, we have some signs that you can order or some brochures, um, waterway cards, um, decals with the FWC number on them that Debbie just mentioned so that's savethemanatee.org slash resource so you can get all these resources there and they're all free so you can order them and and get them tell us about that a little bit the boats the boats and the manatees tell us tell us how that works the slow speed zone why it's important to go go slow in the slow speed zones tell us about that yeah, so manatees and boats have always been sort of an issue. Um, manatees are very slow moving, so they have a really hard time getting out of the way of fast moving boats. Um, unfortunately, this year we have already lost over 60 manatees due to watercraft collisions. And mm. unfortunately, Volusia County, the county that we're in here right now, um, has the highest um, number of that. And um, especially what we're seeing is in the Mosquito Lagoon, some of the seagrass has come back, which is a really good thing, but that also brings more manatees into the area. So boaters have to be specifically careful in that area, um, you know, boating around like any 
kind of shallow um, grass beds or you know where manatees are because these collisions unfortunately happen very often and um, in June uh, me and Debbie's team we were both involved on a rescue um, that was happening there of a manatee that had actually gotten hit in the head by a boat and was in the shallows and you know had to be rescued um, at the same time though um, I kind of also want to give some credit to those boaters who are careful and who are reporting these manatees because they can really be the manatee's biggest advocates. You know, they're out there, they're seeing things, and we have a lot of boaters that stay with these animals until our rescue groups can get yeah, there. Yeah, and it's so, all an accident. It's all an accident. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it really is, absolutely, yeah. All right, well, with that, we're going to take our first commercial break. Stay with us, and we'll be back with more Volusia Today. Subscribe to the Volusia County YouTube channel. And hit the bell icon to know what's happening in your hometown. There are so many great places to explore. And things to learn. With over 1,000 videos available right now, the channel offers something for everyone. Let's go! Did you know we have countless features showcasing history, nature, wildlife, and recreation? Subscribe! and hit the bell icon. Or that we live stream important county meetings and workshops where leaders make decisions that can impact our everyday lives. Did you subscribe yet? Or that we record our weekly radio show, Volusia Today, where we interview staff from the different divisions and departments across our great county, and they discuss the nitty gritty of their field and expertise. Go ahead, subscribe. But that's not it, there's more. Subscribe and hit the bell icon and fully explore. Score. We're back and we are talking manatees. So we left and we were talking about boats and manatees and how they can kind of coexist. And it can be frustrating as a, as a boater, um, the slow speed zones obviously, but they're there for a reason. And, and the worst possible case would be hitting a manatee and injuring a manatee. And a lot of people probably don't see that, but you all see that every day. Or not every day, but you, you see that a lot. 60 this year in Volusia County is a is a pretty high number i mean that's, that's the state of florida oh the, the state 60, 60 yeah. in the state of florida that's was, still a high number yeah, for sure nine nine for volusia county okay uh, but that's the highest out of all the counties in the state so unfortunately but we have a lot of boaters in our area and a lot of manatees in our area mm -hmm. so kind of we can see that correlation why we would be so high but there are things that you can do as a boater to try to prevent that from happening uh, wearing polarized sunglasses so that you can see into the water a little bit better. Um, like Cora said earlier, avoiding the shallow areas where our seagrasses are because that's where our manatees are going to be feeding. Um, making sure that if you're in a zone where it, you're supposed to be idle or slow speed zone, those manatee zones, making sure to obey those signs. Those are there for a reason. We did a lot of research, or FWC did a lot of research before putting those signs out. Those are the more popular areas for the manatees, and that's why those signs are there. Um, did I miss anything there, Cora? Um, oh, footprints. Yeah. Look for the manatee footprints in the water or the noses coming up because, yeah, that's pretty much going to be all that you can see. I didn't know water. manatees have feet. What does the footprint look like? <laughs> I, I was yeah. wondering the same thing. <laughs> so we call them footprints because basically when they're swimming, they're pretty close to the surface of the water. So their tails are just making a, a half circle kind of ripple on the water pattern as they swim. So just look for that manatee footprint. <laughs> <laughs> and what type of injuries do you see quite often with manatees? Like, just tell us a bit about those. Other than boat strikes, we have a lot of entanglements, um, fishing line entanglements, crab trap entanglements. 
Um, we'll see. Well, we are kind of slowing down from a manatee unusual mortality event where we had a starvation um, situation happening. Um, but on a typical year when we're not in the mad- middle of that unusual event, it's the boat strikes and the entanglements that say, are probably the worst. Did you say boat strikes are probably the most common injuries or entanglements? Uh, or a combination of both? Boat- it's probably a combination of yeah. both. Um, I mean, boat strikes are definitely a, a biggie for manatees, and it's um, un- it's really important to understand too that it's kind of a two-pronged thing. So the propeller can injure the manatees, um, you know, directly, and a lot of the wounds that you're seeing are from propeller mm. um, st- injuries. But at the same time, um, a fast-speeding boat hitting a manatee, that impact trauma is oftentimes what actually kills a manatee. So 60% of uh, watercraft fatalities are caused by that impact that blunt force trauma on a manatee and you may not necessarily see very large external injuries but the insides um, can be you know pretty severely in- affected I mean manatees have these really heavy rib bones and they're kind of lying right over the lungs but if they break a rib bone it can potentially puncture a lung so if you see a manatee like floating high on the surface or having trouble breathing um, that can be a lung injury so definitely boat strikes um, are an issue entanglements for sure and then you know in the winter time we have, we're dealing with cold stress which obviously right now we're not it's the middle of the summer um, and you know harmful algae blooms like red tide which is not necessarily like something in Volusia County we have to worry about but it's more so in southwest Florida but that's a problem for manatees too. All right so if, if, if I was on my boat and I did hit a manatee what should I meet should I obviously I need to call FWC but you know, am I required to stay there, like, on site? Like, if it, if it's a traffic incident, like, tell us, like, if, if a boater hit accidentally strikes a manatee, what should, what should be the steps they take? Just calling FWC, and they'll, um, they'll call, or as soon as the hotline notifies the nearest branch, the FWC uh, will call the boater back most of the time to try to get some more information. Are you still with the animal? Because a lot of people won't stay there. They'll just call it in. And that, that's fine. At least you made that call. Just give them we, location yeah, and everything. Yeah, but if you want to stay with the animal, and that would be super helpful as well, so that when FWC calls, you can give the new location wherever it's at. And a lot of people will, you know, they'll, they'll stay with it until we can get our team out there to take over for them. Some of them have even stayed to watch the rescue. <laughs> so, no. you know, it just all depends on what that person is doing and whether or not they can. But we at least appreciate that call. And you said a couple of things uh, about the in- entanglement. So we have a lot of boaters in Volusia County. We've got beautiful waterways, springs, and the river and the ocean where manatees all travel. But we also have a lot of fishermen. And monofilament is a, is a big problem. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we could all do something about as well. And it could be as simple as just make sure, making sure your knots are tied good, making sure you're using the right tackle, all of that stuff up front. But then on top of that, there's some other things people can do, correct? Yeah, we have uh, in Volusia County, the, uh, we partnered with FWC, we have the uh, monofilament recovery and recycling program. So whenever you see those uh, PVC pipes that are out by the fishing docks and fishing piers, those are there so that you can take any unwanted or uh, used fishing line and put them into those uh, recycling bins. We have volunteers that adopt each of those bins and they'll go out and empty them and 
they collect that fishing line, separate all the other stuff that ends up in those bins. Mm. So if you see those bins, they're not garbage cans. Right. <laughs> and there's a lot of those. There's you're a lot of those. You're making it really hard on our volunteers if you're putting other things in there. Right. But, um, yeah, so they'll take that fishing line, clean, clean it up, and send it off to a company called Berkeley, and they actually recycle that fishing line. So that's one thing that you can do as a citizen, even if you want to volunteer for that program, you can. Um, and then also uh, with the county, we go out uh, with a specialized group of divers, and we try to clean up the Ponce Inlet Jetty where we've had, that's a very popular fishing spot. Uh, we go out every spring and summer, probably get about 10 dives in throughout the season, pull up at least a, a thousand pounds each season of just fishing line and leads and other marine debris from off of the jetty rocks and everything. So we're trying. <laughs> All right, before we go to our last uh, commercial break, what are some myths or general misconceptions people may have about manatees? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think one, one of the main things I think is, you know, people think that they're this huge, you know, heavy animals and that they have a lot of blubber or fat, which is really not the case. They have very heavy bones and very large intestines, which makes up their weight, um, which is why in the wintertime they have to come to these warm water sources because they can just not stay warm. That's probably the one of the main ones. I didn't know that. That and also they think that they can't be hurt by manatees because they're these gentle giants, but they you have to keep in mind they are quite large, and especially in mating herd season, if you're too close to one of those, they have one thing on their mind and one thing only. So mm -hmm. if you get hit by one of those tails, it could definitely break a bone. It's not so not feel good. Un <laughs> yeah, so unintentionally they can definitely hurt you. So keeping your distance and obeying those laws is definitely important. And if you but, spook them, they can move. Oh, yeah. They, <laughs> they can get up sure. to 20 miles per hour in oh, short wow. bursts, so you don't want to be around when that happens. Right. All right. With that, we're going to take our last commercial break. Stay with us for more Volusia Today. Subscribe to the Volusia County YouTube channel. And hit the bell icon to know what's happening in your hometown. There are so many great places to explore. And things to learn. With over 1,000 videos available right now, the channel offers something for everyone. Let's go! Did you know we have countless features showcasing history, nature, wildlife, and recreation? Subscribe! and hit the bell icon. Or that we live stream important county meetings and workshops where leaders make decisions that can impact our everyday lives. Did you subscribe yet? Or that we record our weekly radio show, Volusia Today, where we interview staff from the different divisions and departments across our great county, and they discuss the nitty gritty of their field and expertise. Go ahead, subscribe. But that's not it, there's more. Subscribe and hit the bell icon and fully explore. Score. We're back with Volusia today. So before we conclude today's show, I just have to each, or ask each of you, what inspired you to get involved with rescuing manatees and their conservation efforts? Well, I guess for me, it was never really a, um, a path I had planned on. I was working in uh, film and television before I moved to Florida. I had no idea what a manatee even was until about 12 years ago. Um, and I guess I just fell in love with them when I saw them. Um, I wanted to do something where I could make a difference or felt like I could make a difference and um, most of the time that's the case but it's obviously very hard work and I don't get to spend the holidays with my family sometimes I'm out there you know in the cold or in the heat or whatever but um, it just you know making a difference for these animals for me. 
Um, for me, I always knew that I wanted to work with marine mammals. I wasn't really sure in what aspect, but uh, after college, I kind of dabbled in a couple different things, but working in rehab facilities and being able to volunteer on stranding teams, that's where I realized that that's where I wanted to go because I liked being able to try to save the ones that needed saving. And ladies, thank you all so much for the amazing work you're doing. You know, wild, wild, wildlife is so essential, important to, you know, not just Florida, but everywhere. So just keep that in mind, listeners, you know, protect our manatees. With that, we're going to wrap up today's show. Have a wonderful day in Volusia County. If you have a comment about Volusia today, or if there is a topic you would like to hear featured, please contact Volusia County Community Information at 1-866-345-0345.